Hello there. Rancho Obi-Wan, the Guinness World Records certified largest Star Wars memorabilia collection. Located in Petaluma, California, featuring the collection of super collector, author, and Star Wars fan ambassador Steve Sansweet. The most powerful Jedi ever. Visit RanchoObiWan.org and subscribe to the Rancho Obi-Wan Virtual Museum. A fun, authentic fan experience. Featuring rare photos, videos, Steve Sansweet Q&As, virtual tours of the museum, exclusive behind the the scenes stories and information and so much more plus your subscription helps ensure the future of the museum it's the rancho obi-wan virtual museum subscribe now at RanchoObiWan.org. get tons of cool perks information and history of star wars collecting from the man who knows it best steve sansui while contributing to the preservation of the world's largest star wars memorabilia collection RanchoObiWan.org. <laughs> This is Marisha from Coruscant Radio Underground. And this is Iana from the Padawan Report. And this is the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast, your source for everything going on in that galaxy far, far away. And that's the Scuttlebutt. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Scarif Control, this is TK-226. Come in, Scarif Control. You know what? I don't know why there's no answer. I've been sitting here on the comm for how long now? Yeah, it's been quite a while. Yeah, it's been quite a while, yes. So, can I give it a try? Hey, you're more than welcome to try. Hey, I've been meaning to ask you how it went with that uh, green friend of yours. Uh, what's her name? Oh, well... Uh, that was a while ago, but, um, it was, it was a difficult evening, you know? Really? I can only imagine. You know, her species is known for... Oh, that explains a lot. How did I miss that? How did you miss that? What? I don't know, if you haven't tried the Denarian spin at least once in your life, I don't... You know, it's not that big a deal. TK-226, TK-388, your comm's been open all this time. Would you guys mind starting the podcast, please? Thanks. Denarian spin. You've tuned in to the fastest-growing Star Wars podcast on this side of Moss Eisley. Grab your sunscreen and your blasters. This is the Scarif Podcast. Members of the Alliance to restore the Republic. Saw. Your losses today stem from your leader's cowardice. And their unwillingness to take decisive action against the Empire. All across the galaxy, your people suffer while the leaders of this... <laughs> rebellion refuse to act. Should I shut it down? No, I want to speak to him. Madam Senator, I'm honored. What is your business here? You ignored my warning about the Delindi relay and paid the price. Now you have confirmation, yet still you refuse to destroy it. So long as our allies in the Senate have hope of a peaceful resolution to this conflict, 
I will not risk. If you continue to allow this war to be fought on the Empire's terms, not yours, you are going to lose. I will not be lectured on military strategy by a man who has proven himself a criminal. The Empire considers both of us criminals. <laughs> At least I act like one. You target civilians, kill those who surrender, break every rule of engagement. If we degrade ourselves to the Empire's level, what will we become? There she is! That's the leader the Rebellion needs! Where is that fire, that passion, when your people need it most? Traitors! Rebel terrorists, led by the evil masterminds Leia Organa and Luke Skywalker, have emerged from the shadows to destroy the galaxy's largest peacekeeping installation, heartlessly ending millions of innocent lives. The Imperial Navy, whose honor and courage would never let such a cowardly act go unpunished, has bravely tracked down these criminals to their remote hideout in the ice planet of Hoth. Lord Vader, Hero of the Empire has brilliantly used all the intelligence resources at his disposal to locate these killers, ready at a moment's notice to dispense the Emperor's justice. See how changing just a few words can make a world of difference? In this episode, Roe and Brad will discuss propaganda in the Star Wars universe. How does it work? Does it work? Tune in and find out. I'm Alex. And you're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Thank you, Alex, for that intro. It was really awesome. Did you love it as much as I loved it, Brad? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he sold it. Yeah, I was, I'm ready to watch that episode. Star Wars propaganda. Very interesting topic for tonight. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, it's going to be a fun one. You know, I've been looking forward to this one. And uh, uh, when everybody tunes into the podcast, I know that audio is going to be perfect. Uh, on there but uh if they want to check it out we also posted it on twitter that opening crawl for uh the empire strikes back uh, just uh reimagined a little bit with an imperial spin so that gives you a little uh hint as to what we're going to be talking about tonight yeah so uh propaganda there is uh some uh hidden messages here and uh in the star wars universe there are the good guys and there are the bad guys. But depending on your point of view, we are definitely going to uh, take a nice little deep dive into what that all means, Brad. And uh, this is definitely a very interesting topic. Uh, in universe, we've got uh, propaganda that uh, pretty much... Uh, you know, runs the gamut, uh, uh, a lot of accusations back and forth. Who are the heroes? Who are the villains? And, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a lot of gray matter there. So, uh, what, uh, what can you tell us a little, what can you tell us about this subject, Brad? You know, we're, uh, we, we teased, uh, some, uh, bacon and eggs on Twitter and, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to get back to the, to the bacon and eggs. I promised everybody, uh, I would let them know what that meant. Uh, when I hashtagged it, bacon and eggs. Um, but, uh, you know, to know what propaganda means, uh, I'd like to go ahead and start off with just a, a quick excerpt from a book. And, and it goes as follows. The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. 
Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. We are governed, our minds molded, our tastes formed, our ideas suggested largely by men we have never heard of. It is they who pull the wires which control the public mind, who harness old social forces and contrive new ways to bind and guide the world. You, you hear that quote, and it, it kind of sounds like something from, you know, something that would have come out, you know, after the 2016 election, you know, with all the, you know, the, the Russian involvement and uh, all the bots and, you know, did they uh, impact the uh, election or not? Um, but uh, it, it actually didn't. Uh, this was from a book uh, aptly named Propaganda. And it came out in 1929. It wasn't uh, written by somebody who was like an outsider, you know, hypothesizing about this invisible government. This was a guy that was part of it, and he was proud of it. Uh, his name was Ed Edward Bernays. Uh, he's known as the father of public relations. Um, just so everybody knows, you know, you hear that term public. You don't really hear the term propaganda too much anymore, except in a bad context. You hear now public relations. Well, it turns out public relations is the name is just the name that they gave to propaganda after World War II, because it turns out the Nazis kind of ruined that term for them. They used to love the term propaganda, um, but uh, after World War II, they had to change it. So that's why they changed it to uh, public relations. And that's why uh, this guy, Edward Bernays, is known as the father of public relations. Wow, that's a deep dive there. Uh, thank you very much for that uh, lesson. And uh, what does that all mean in the Star Wars universe? And uh, what does that all mean in our own universe? I know uh, propaganda is not relegated to the land of fiction. There's a lot of propaganda in real life. But uh, a little bit of that uh, goes a long way here in the Star Wars universe. Um, let's start chatting that up. Today is the end of the Republic. The end of a regime that acquiesces to disorder. At this very moment, in a system far from here, the new republic lies to the galaxy while secretly supporting the treachery of the loathsome resistance. This fierce machine which you have built, upon which we stand, will bring an end to the Senate, to their cherished fleet. All remaining systems will bow to the First Order and will remember this as the last day of the Republic. You know, just a little bit more about, you know, how propaganda works, how we currently know it sort of evolved, you know, in, in you know, in World War One. Uh, you know, history buffs out there uh, will know that Woodrow Wilson, you know, he ran on an anti-war platform. That was his thing. He was going to keep us out of World War One. They called it a European conflict. Most Americans did not want to be involved in World War One, so they created um, this. Uh, the, the government created this office of uh, office of war information, which sounds you know something like the Empire would do. You know, office of war information. And they ran the propaganda uh, for that to uh, to muster up uh, American support for uh, World War One. A couple of the guys that worked on that uh, one is named Walt Lippmann, Walter Lippmann. Uh, he's known for a book he wrote called uh, Public Opinion. Uh, you know, he's known for the phrase "manufacture of consent." 
Uh, and uh, another guy's name is Ivy Lee. And uh, he uh, is the one that uh, I'm not sure if anybody's ever seen uh, pictures of uh, John D. Rockefeller handing out dimes to uh, like impoverished kids on the street. It used to be that John Rockefeller had a very bad name, but it was Ivy Lee who said, hey, why don't you start handing out dimes to these kids and that'll do wonders for your public image. And it did. Uh, he, Ivy Lee's the one that's responsible for that. And both these guys are the ones that trained Edward Bernays in propaganda. Edward Bernays, uh, another fun fact for him, he was actually the nephew of Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud did not, uh, you know, he was kind of a jerk. You know, he's known for his dream analysis and uh, but also group psychology. You know, he did not give this information to his nephew for free. He actually charged Edward for his knowledge in true Freudian style. But uh, this is actually where the bacon and eggs that we talked about comes in. I was wondering. Bacon and eggs is the all-American meal, right? Um, everybody's always loved bacon and eggs. It turns out that was not always the case. Now, what did people eat before bacon and eggs? I, I, I couldn't tell you. But uh, there was a time, and you know, this we're talking about the 1930s, 1940s time period, uh, Americans didn't eat that. So people in the bacon and eggs industry actually came to Edward Bernays and said, hey, can you do something for us? We'd like to boost our sales. We'd like to get people to eat our products for breakfast. That's when Edward Bernays got some uh, physicians, some doctors to say that bacon and eggs were good for you. Right. And uh, by getting people to, uh, you know, uh, by getting doctors to say, hey, bacon and eggs are good for you, he was able to get Americans to eat bacon and eggs. Uh, and uh, that's, you know, that's how propaganda works. It's not, uh, propaganda doesn't always just appeal to your logic. That's not how propaganda works. Propaganda, you know, appeals to your emotions. Hmm. So, you know, not only would it work in, in our, in, in, you know, the real universe, but, you know, you, you can see it in the Star Wars universe as well. No wonder you've been very successful at our Red 5 propaganda. I think you, uh, <laughs> We're taking a lot of uh, uh, liberties there with uh, introducing some of those notions into our real world. So uh, that, that's pretty interesting. You're using an yep. old Jedi mind trick that's not really Jedi, huh? Well, <laughs> not no, not really Jedi at all. Uh, quite the contrary. But uh, you know, it, propaganda. It means uh, you know it started off as just you know you know, cave paintings, hieroglyphs, that sort of thing. And it evolved, you know, of course, with the typewriter or with a uh, print and then, you know, newspaper, that's how it evolved. And then to radio and to television. And now we got the biggest propaganda machine out there, which is the internet uh, and social media. And, you know, people post memes. Uh, we make hashtags. You see one on the screen right, right, right there. That is a form of propaganda. It is, you know, you want somebody to do something. Uh, so you make it, you know, easy to digest for them uh, so they can understand it. And uh, that's how that's how propaganda works. Yeah, devil's advocate. I mean, isn't this just, you know, wanting to communicate uh, or is communication part of propaganda? How do you differentiate the two? Well, you know, that's something that he actually talks about in this 1929 book, Propaganda. Uh, and again, that was before propaganda had this negative connotation. It, it really, you know depends on who's using it and how they're using it. Um, it. It can be used for, you know, just like the force, you know, the force is, you know, it's got a light side and a dark side. Uh, how it's used, you know, depends on, you know, that'll determine the results, but with propaganda, um, you know, you're trying to raise awareness for something, uh, you know, uh, you want to raise money uh, for, for cancer research. You're going to use a form of propaganda to do that. 
you can use it for the opposite ends too. You can use it for evil means. So propaganda, even though it's got a negative connotation, in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's just how you use it. Um, and that's what makes it so interesting for the Star Wars universe because both the Empire and the, you know, and we're going to focus, I think, mostly on the Galactic Civil War tonight. Uh, both the Empire and the Rebels would have used propaganda uh, for their own purposes. They wanted an introduction, they've got it. I'm out now. The rest of you can do what you want. You care not about the cause. The cause? Seriously? The Alliance, the, the Rebels, whatever it is you're calling yourself these days. All it's ever brought me is pain. You can stand to see the Imperial flag rain across the galaxy. It's not a problem if you don't look up. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So, uh, you know, that holds true, obviously, in our world. Uh, how does it, uh, how did the Empire, how did the Rebellion, the Rebellion use propaganda to forward uh, their message? I know... Um, I just finished uh, watching uh, Resistance with my son. The that last uh, last, uh, I guess it only had two seasons. But um, getting ready for this episode, it kind of crossed my mind how certain people within the Star Wars universe, um, you know, looked at the Empire and the work that the Empire was doing. Obviously, we had our discussion with Claudia Gray, where uh, her characters in Lost Stars were uh, polar opposite as far as what they believed in. So, you know, even in the fictional world of Star Wars, propaganda is working on you from, you know, every every corner on your, on your brain. Um, and this holds true with uh, some of the characters that we've seen. Uh, in Resistance, you've got uh, Tam, who was convinced that the Empire... Uh, was doing good, and and in this case, the First Order that they were, you know, bringing order to the galaxy, you know, similar to what Vader said in the original tr in, in the original trilogy. Um, so it, it's very interesting, and I know we'll get into uh, some exact examples of of propaganda on uh, both sides, Brad. Yeah, uh, I mean, and you got to think about, um, you know, and we're going to talk a little bit about the poll that we that we're uh, running on Twitter as far as how the galaxy. Uh, would have seen the rebel alliance and actually the people that responded to the poll did pretty well. Um, but you got to think about how well propaganda would have worked for the empire to begin with. You know, you have to think about the end of revenge of the Sith where Palpatine, you know, says he's going to restructure the, you know, the Republic into an empire and he uses the word for a safe and secure society. And of course, you get the classic line from you know, Padme, this is how liberty dies with thunderous applause. But just remember that he did get applause. He said he was going to deliver a safe and secure society, gets thunderous applause for that. And for the next 20 years or so, as far as the galaxy at large uh, would have seen, he delivered on that promise. Uh, a lot of the stuff that the Empire was doing, you know, this you know, a lot of the negative things that they were doing, a lot of the atrocities that they were committing, the galaxy at large wouldn't have seen that. So from the general imperial citizen's perspective, uh, the emperor could do no wrong. And he delivered on that. They, they saw the Clone Wars. They saw the, the entire galaxy engulfed in the Clone Wars. And he said he was going to make it secure, and he did so. So the imperial propaganda would have been very powerful. 
for the imperial citizens. Uh, seclusion also plays a part. Obviously, you said that a lot of uh, citizens in the in, in the galaxy weren't aware of what the Empire was doing. Um, you know, the low man on the totem pole uh, from that society, you know, the moisture farmers, I mean, folks like that really didn't have any stake in what the Empire did or any governing, um, uh, I guess, ruling party at that point. You know, they were just, they were still focused in uh, on their day-to-day -day life. Uh, you know, the Empire wasn't around. They didn't, uh, they weren't affected uh, for the most part. So it's very interesting how, you know, that aspect of the Galactic Empire, you know, really didn't affect a lot of people. Obviously, in the stories that we have, uh, you know, shared with with uh, or that we've consumed uh, from authors uh, sometimes you've got uh, a planet that uh, the empire isn't there isn't real presence there um, so it's only you know around the core worlds that the empire really has any effect um, you know obviously in, in a new hope we realize that Luke is on Tatooine and and it's kind of a, a dust ball you know forgotten you know backwater planet uh, not a lot of uh, imperial activity there, and um, that is is that one way also that uh, the empire kind of keeps um, this propaganda alive by not only misinformation but no information. Well, sure. Um, you know, uh, think about it, um, and, and I'll make some references to you know Orwell's 1984. But in, in that in 1984, there was always a war going on. But it was always in the distance. It was always somewhere far away. So everybody knew there was a war going on, but it was always far away. So it, like you said, it didn't affect them. If you took Earth, if we were in the Star Wars universe, we would be as backwater as Tatooine is even more because we haven't gotten any uh, space travel. We haven't gotten any hyperspace, right? So we would be one of those back. So why would I care about something that is happening light years from us? Uh, and as far as how they you know, got their news – there wasn't, as far as we know, too many outlets. Like you said, uh, you know, you got the Holonet. Uh, as far as we can tell, Holonet's pretty much, you know, state-run. That's a, you know, that's a state-run uh, radio or however you want to say it. So whatever was released on the Holonet was exactly what the Empire wanted the people to hear. So it is absolutely, when you talk about controlling the narrative, is you know, what you're talking about, the Empire could absolutely control the narrative. So, you know, they could call... Uh, you know, the, the rebels, whatever they want. And uh, the people would probably uh, likely to believe that. Well, I, I posted an article earlier about the, the, uh, the, the case for Alderaan. Of course, it got a lot of heat when I wrote that uh, to begin with, because I was saying, how could the empire justify blowing up an entire planet? Sure. Uh, but think about the propaganda that would have been involved with that. So you vaporize an entire planet. Uh, nobody, nobody even knew the Death Star existed at this time. Right. Another classic example of propaganda was when Vader tells Krennic there is no Death Star, Jedi was destroyed in a mining accident. That's propaganda right there. So nobody even knows the Death Star was used on Jedi. They just think that's they probably even pay attention. That that I bet you Jedi didn't even make front page news. You were not summoned here to grovel, Director Krennic. No, it's there is no Death Star. The Senate has been informed that Jeddah was destroyed in a mining disaster. Yes, my lord. I expect you not to rest until you can assure the Emperor that Galen Erso has not compromised this weapon in any way. If or when the Empire destroyed Alderaan, 
the empire would have immediately put out an official message, you know, from the emperor that that place was, you know, a safe haven of terrorists. And the whole thing was just littered with terrorists. There's nobody left alive on Alderaan to tell any different. What would the people have thought? They probably would have believed the empire when they said it was full of terrorists. Yeah, that is uh, one of the things that I find so fasc uh, fascinating uh, regarding the construction of that Death Star. You know, that's a massive project that was hidden. Um, they started building that uh, the the framework on. Um, uh, help me out here, Geonosis. Yep. And I know there's a there's an episode of uh, Rebels where they. They go back to Geonosis, and uh, the entire planet. The, there's no inhabitants. Um, it's it's disconcerting to to know that uh, the Republic at that point, I guess, because they weren't an empire yet. I don't think they no. pretty much wiped out the uh, the folks that were creating that, basically to destroy the evidence, destroy the stories of, you know, the 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 Republic or the new Empire is building something, and nobody. You know, nobody's going to know anything about it. Um, Saw Guerrera, you know, was stumbling around in the dark trying to figure out what the Empire was doing for the early part of his career. And, you know, we see it in stories that we were that we see in Rebels and Clone Wars and in the um, the 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 book of um, what was that book? I forgot what the book was called. Uh, the uh, Jin Urso book. So uh, yeah, so uh, Rebel uh, Rising, right. and then you got the you, you got the Catalyst and the Tarkin books. Um, you know what you know what you're talking about there is uh, compartmentalization, which is uh, you know a key to information information control. In that, uh, if you read Catalyst and um, Tarkin. As you said, this Death Star is being built in, and actually the Thrawn books talk about it uh, some too. It's being built in countless different systems, each having just a little part of it, so they don't see the big picture. You know, the the real life equivalent to that is the Manhattan Project. Uh, you know, when you know when FDR died and uh, Truman took over, Truman had no idea that we were working on an atom bomb. That's how top secret this was. So the Manhattan Project is very closely uh, akin to the Death Star Project, um, to uh, Project Stardust, uh, where only select people knew about it, and they were all on a need-to-know basis. So that's you know all about uh, information control there. Yeah, definitely. We talked a little bit about location in the galaxy and how the news spread out, but uh, do you think that because the the galaxy or the the empire was so spread out that it helped uh the ability to spread the propaganda the propaganda or at least the ability for any real stories to to not spread well sure and don't forget that uh you know under the you know uh the way tarkin had everything set up you know he had regional governors in charge of each sector so the regional governors, you know, obviously there would have been a, a message from up on high from the emperor from that level, uh, you know, what we're going to put out. But then it would have been up to the regional governors to put out information or to withhold information specific to their region. So, you know, people in the outer rim wouldn't have the you know first inkling or, or the first care in the world what was happening in the core worlds at that time and vice versa. So uh, it does pose challenges for the empire. Uh, you know, controlling such a huge uh, area, 
Um, but it also, like you said, did go in their favor for controlling the narrative. That kind of brings us to the uh, the the Tarkin doctrine. I'll do an imitation of him if I, if you will indulge me. He says, "Fear will keep the local systems in line." Fear of this battle station. And what of the rebellion? If the rebels have obtained a complete technical readout of this station, it is possible, however unlikely, that they might find a weakness and exploit it. The plans you refer to will soon be back in our hands. Any attack made by the rebels against this station would be a useless gesture, no matter what technical data they've obtained. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Uh, is that a form of propaganda too? I find your lack of faith disturbing. Yeah, uh, I would say fear is probably one of the top forms of propaganda. Um, if you can, you know, and there, the propaganda book talks doesn't talk too much about fear. Follow on books, a lot from the 1950s and 60s, uh, talk about the use of fear. Uh, and of course, this is when the CIA was doing their uh, like MK Ultra projects and stuff like that. So they were you know, they were worried, uh, you know, in, in our world, they were worried about the Russians a lot. So they were doing a lot of uh, experiments and a lot of studies on on what drives people to do things. How can you control people? And, and fear is one of those things. Uh, if you can keep, uh, you know, the, the folks in, in, in fear of some enemy somewhere, they're going to be more malleable. Their minds are going to be more malleable and able to be controlled. Uh, and he talked about the, the Tarkin doctrine and he says fear of this battle station. Uh, Cause I, I really don't think the entire uh, galaxy would have called it the, the death star. I think, you know, that, that, you know, that was a name that the rebels would have given it. I, I don't think the entire, no good PR person would have named such an installation, the death star. I, I, I don't think so. But uh, you know, we have a, a phrase in, in the Navy Right. Uh, you know, there's there's there are nuclear weapons out there. We call it strategic deterrence. And he's doing the same thing uh, with with the Death Star. You always want to. And you saw this in the Cold War. And this is why, you know, the U.S. and the Russians kept making more and more weapons and making bigger and bigger weapons. You always want to have the biggest weapon out there. And the goal of that is to ensure that the other guy never uses his. So there is logic to what Tarkin is saying with 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 his you know, of course, he comes off as evil. He's supposed to be an evil character. Um, but there is logic to what he's saying. Um, you know, if you have rebel cells popping up throughout the galaxy and, and they talk, and this is why I love Rogue One. He says uh, they have the capability of mass destruction. We do not. It almost worked. We have no recourse but to surrender. Are we really talking about disbanding something that we've worked so hard to create? We can't just give in! We joined an alliance, not a suicide pact! We've only now managed to gather our forces. Gather our forces? General Draven's already blown up an Imperial base! A decision needed to be made! If it's war you want, you'll fight alone! If that's how it's going, why have an alliance at all? If she's telling the truth, we need to act now! Counselors, please. If the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? What chance do we have? The question is, what choice? Run, hide, plead for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy this evil with this much power, and you condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. The time to fight is now. Yes. Every moment you waste is another step closer to the ashes of Jeddah. What is she proposing? Just let the girl speak. Send your best troops to Scarif. 
Send the rebel fleet if you have to. You need to capture the Death Star plans if there's any hope of destroying it. You're asking us to invade an Imperial installation based on nothing but hope. Rebellions are built on hope. There is no hope. I say we fight! I say the rebellion is finished! They were saying, you know, this is done. Like, you know, Bale was there, Mon was there, um, you know, Admiral Radisson. They were, yeah. they were pretty much almost given up. Yeah, yeah. So they, they discovered that they had the Death Star, and they're like, well, this is it. Uh, you know, they, they gave it, you know, they did their work in the Rebels that we saw. Um, but uh, they, once they found out that they had this battle station, they're like, that's it. You know, they've got mass destruction. We don't have that. They had little ships. I mean, they had uh, Mon Calamari cruisers. Those were the biggest ones they had, but nothing that could fight the Death Star. So fear is absolutely a, a motivator and uh, a prime way to, to make propaganda work. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, talk about the the, the propaganda machine. Um, I'm going to share a screen and we can talk about uh, the, the, the rebellion here uh, because it's... Um, Something that, uh, you know, how do you fight back? How do you fight back the propaganda machine that was the Galactic Empire? Uh, how do you turn that around? Um, obviously, the, the resistance or the rebellion had, you know, their own propaganda machine, you know, working uh, for them. How, uh, how do you go about just kind of flipping that around, especially uh, because of the size that the galaxy or the, the empire was? Um, obviously they had all the resources, uh, you know, these, uh, resistance fighters, the rebellion were a ragtag group of, uh, folks that wanted to make change. Um, and even in, you know, society now you've got, uh, the movement in the sixties with young kids that, uh, uh, wanted to change and wanted us to, you know, uh, reconsider Vietnam and, and Nixon and all that stuff that, that happened in our history. Um, how do you go about flipping it? It, it would have it would have been an uphill battle for sure, and you know I wish there were more stories you know talking about this sort of thing, because you know as far as home field advantage, the empire had the ultimate home field advantage. They controlled the narrative nearly completely. So you know that whole idea that the rebels may have come off as terrorists uh, would, would have been true, and so they would have had to overcome that. So how do you overcome that? Well, you know going back to Rogue One. And she says, you know, rebellions are built on hope. Even so, remember, Jin, at the beginning, she laughed at the, the, the idea or the concept of hope. But later on, she buys into that. And she herself, to that council, says rebellions are built on hope. So what the rebellion would have had to have done in this case is find a central message to build on. Because you got to think about, uh, you know, the rebellion was built, you know, Obviously, there's so many, you know, parallels to the American Revolution. You know, the North had its needs. The South had its needs. So how did you, you know, how did they have to frame that message? Same would have gone true for the Rebel Alliance. These are people from both the core worlds and from the, you know, the outer rim. How do they, you know, unify such a group? And that's coming up with a common message to the galaxy. And that would have been hope and, and freedom. It would have been a it would have been a very hard challenge uh, for them, especially you brought up Saul. You brought up Saul Guerrero. Uh, I think uh, I called him the uh, Osama bin Laden on one of our previous episodes. You know, he was basically the Osama of the Rebel Alliance. I mean, this guy is literally a terrorist. Uh, 
right? He doesn't care who dies, even on his own team. Right. He doesn't care who dies from his own team, it, you know, to take the empire down. So poor Mon Mothma, she has to overcome not only public per, uh, perception, but also people in her own ranks like Saul. I hope, Citadel, after you've lost and the empire reigns over the galaxy, unopposed, you will find some comfort in the knowledge that you fought according to the rules. That's enough. What are you afraid of, Senator? The truth. Mon Mothma needs to be given credit for, you know, kind of bringing him in and, you know, putting the reins on him. Um, you know, you see, you see a lot of that conflict in uh, the Rebels series. So it would have been, um, you know, finding a common theme and then slowly start to try to put out, um, you know, the news about the atrocities of the empire, you know, they're not going to win on the big scale. You know, if we want to talk about, you know, how we're set up here, you know, we talk about the federal level, state level, local level, the rebels would have had to work on the local levels, which you see that they did because they couldn't work on the mass scale. They didn't have the propaganda machine that the empire did. So they would have had to work, you know, a lot harder uh, on the local level to convince people, you know, we took, you talked about Vietnam, you mentioned Viet Vietnam, uh, one of the things they talked about there uh, was, you know, you may have heard the phrase hearts and minds that, you know, for us to you know win this war, we have to win the hearts and minds of the people. The Rebel Alliance would have had to do that same thing. They would have had to win the hearts and minds of, of the galaxy uh, to start showing people what the Empire was actually doing. Yeah. So do you think the Empire's actions would have changed people's minds? I mean, even even with everything that they did that some people perceived as. I don't know, you know, good, you know, obviously, you know, folks that didn't hear about the destruction of Alderaan at, at the time, how would that have worked? Uh, that, I mean, that's a, that's a great discussion in and of itself, you know, and we talked about that with uh, Claudia Gray when we got the chance to talk to her. There was people, there was, uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember the character's name, but he was from Alderaan and that actually, you know, well, no, this is uh, from, from, I'm sorry, from Lost Stars. Okay. Uh, where, you know, he actually, you know, it actually deepened his belief in the empire, uh, which is, you know, how could that be? That's not wholly unrealistic. So there would have been some people who actually believed in the empire and they would have doubled down on their beliefs in the empire because um, they would have believed the propaganda that there was terrorists on Alderaan. But, uh, you know, I, I think one of the best examples is Aiden Verzio. I think we can agree that 99.5% of every, you know, people that are in the empire did so for the most noble reasons. I don't think anybody that put on the stormtrooper outfit thought they were doing the, the, the wrong thing. I think they all believed uh, that they were doing the right thing. We see it when you watch the movies, you see it from the rebellions point of view. So that's why they come off as evil, but you know, and lost stars did a lot to, to show this. Most people that put on that armor were doing so for the best of reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, a lot of these, you know, uh, cases, it would have had to have been people seeing the atrocities firsthand. So I didn't at first I didn't like the idea of Aiden going from the Empire to the Rebellion just to, you know, fit this you know game narrative that they had. But she saw her home planet being destroyed uh, under uh, Operation Cinder mm -hmm. and, you know, with her father supporting it. 
And she, that that's when, you know, she held on for a long time. She was, you know, she was there at Alderaan. She was there when the Death Star got destroyed. She was there when the second Death Star got destroyed. That didn't do anything to her convictions. But when she saw firsthand that her planet was being destroyed, um, she could no longer support that. And you had uh, other Imperial defectors that are part of the rebellion. Uh, I, I believe Riken uh, was a former Imperial and, and others. So it would have come down to people seeing with their own eyes and then being able to spread that message. There were still people, you know, you read the New Republic, some of the new you know, stuff that happened in the New Republic. It, you know, it, they talk about this in the Aftermath series. Some, uh, there were still people not on board with the New Republic. You know, just because they won doesn't mean people were bought into them. So these propaganda issues that they had during the war, a lot of those carried over to when they established their own government. Yeah. What did we ask uh, Claudia Gray uh, about propaganda? Um, well, let's uh, talk a little bit about her answer. Do you remember that? You know, she talked about, you know, folks, you know, seeing it from different points of view. You know, she mentioned, you know, all from, you know, your point of view. Everybody would have seen these events from their own point of view, would have had their own angle. Um, talking about people on the Death Star, some saw it one way, some saw it another way. So while some could no longer support that uh, and they, they were defected or whatever, some doubled down on their beliefs. So, you know, propaganda has a different effect on people depending on your, you know, your life experiences and your knowledge of the situation. Or your point of view. Amen. So, you know, uh, somebody in the chat is talking about how the Rebellion had a ton of Imperial defectors in the films and in Legends. Luke wanted to join the Imperial Academy, mainly to fly. Wedge and Biggs were defectors. They were uh, there, you know, and again, just mentioning the fact that um, Tatooine was kind of a backwater planet. Uh, Luke definitely wanted to get away and enlist in the Academy. Um, obviously when we, when we were kids and watching this movie, we didn't realize that the Academy was what it was, but, uh, what are your thoughts as far as, you know, these young kids, uh, joining the Academy and then later on graduating and, and realizing that, you know, it's, it's part of the empire. And obviously for Luke, I think one of the things that, that, uh, was important for him is that he just wanted to get off the planet. Um, he wanted to uh, join his, you know, his friends who were already out there in the academy. Um, not until we see Wedge in, in some of the um, deleted scenes do we realize that uh, he basically jumped ship and, and joined the rebellion. But at this point, what do we know about that relationship between the rebellion and the empire, where you know uh, characters like Biggs? Um, pretty much defected. Yeah. Uh, so in Luke's case, Luke's kind of, uh, interesting. Yeah. He talks about going off and, and joining, uh, or wanting to enlist in the Academy, but he also gets excited when he hears about the rebellion against the empire. So, uh, as you're saying, you know, he, he's a little bit conflicted as far as his motivations go, because, you know, he doesn't seem to be a big fan of the empire for whatever reason. Uh, and like you said, there is a deleted scene with Biggs where they're where they're talking about some stuff. Uh, I wish they had kept that scene with Biggs in the in the movie yeah. uh, when they're still on Tatooine. Um, but uh, you know, he's got he's kind of moral that uh, you know he uh, doesn't believe in the Empire. 
but he also wants to join the academy. Uh, just like many people that join the military, a lot of people join the military because it's really their best option, whether it be, you know, a lack of money or a lack of education, that sort of thing. And I think that's, you know, that, that was his other motivation for uh, wanting to join the academy. But, uh, you know, Rebels did a pretty good job. Um, I think, was it Wedge and Biggs that they got at the same time? I know it was Wedge. I can't remember who the other one was that they got. Maybe it was Biggs. Uh, or is it Tycho? One of those guys yeah. uh, from the academy. Um, you know, it would have had to have, again, people seeing it with their own eyes because before they saw it with their own eyes, you know, um, you know, we see all these propaganda posters that you're putting up. They would have known what those posters told them. Um, chances are this one that you have up now stand against tyranny. And that's for the, that's for the rebels. They probably wouldn't have seen that poster. Uh, right. You know, if you have Imperial garrisons around, that poster is not going to be left up hanging for very long. So the, the posters that they would have seen would have been all from the Empire. And that's what they would have believed until they had that firsthand knowledge. So that's what the Rebel Alliance would have had to have built off of is those defectors that had the firsthand knowledge so they can get those stories out there to the galaxy at large. And that is uh, one of the things that excites me when it comes to um you know new stories being told especially in this universe i'm really looking forward to cassian andor uh because i think uh that is a perfect uh avenue to kind of explore all those things because it's kind of early on in the formation of uh of the empire or at least it's it's pretty much like the the high point of of the galactic empire's rule so i'm very very intrigued uh to see what um what comes from that especially you know um dipping your your toe in in that world between the propaganda of the empire and the propaganda of the rebellion without the full support of the council the odds are too great Yeah, one of the things I'm most excited about that is hearing that Mon Mothma is going to be in that. And I've always thought that Mon is a highly underrated character. Of course, Leia gets most of the, you know, uh, attention and most of the recognition, and rightfully so. Um, you know, Mon Mothma doesn't seem to have much of a personality in, in the movies, and that carries over to the books and stuff. She's, a, you know, a stoic-type character. Uh, but you have to give it to her. She's the one, you know... I wish they hadn't deleted those scenes in Revenge of the Sith because her and Bale were already talking about forming some sort of alliance right at the formation of the Empire. Um, and I'm pretty sure those remained in the book, I think, so in the novelization. I wish they had kept in the movie. Uh, but for, for that many years, uh, she was working to build this up and trying to you know shape that message of the Rebel Alliance. Um, you know how, how are people going to see them? And, you know, logistically speaking, it had to have been a nightmare for her um, to to get this message out there, um, you know, with the, you know, imperial propaganda machine out there. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of great stories that uh, that I'm hoping to, uh, you know, kind of uh, undertake, uh, especially with uh, with this coming to Disney Plus. Um I, you know, Rogue One really introduced a, a whole new aspect to the world of Star Wars, uh, the politics. And I know, you know, a lot of times we joke around about the politics and the banking clans uh, and all that stuff with uh, with Star Wars. But, um, you know, people don't understand how 
how relevant that is, you know, even in today's society and in society in, in general, how, um, you know, you've got the Rockefellers in the background kind of controlling things. So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's, you know, not just uh, spaceships and laser swords, as they say. No, I mean, uh, yeah, you bring up a good point. And, um, yeah, you had uh, these companies, um, you know, I've said many times that uh, uh, who makes the TIE fighters? Uh, I know Incom makes the X-Wings, um, Sinar, Sinar fleet system. Yeah, so you have you have companies like Incom and, and Sinar, and, you know, if you follow the money trail, they're, they're both being funded by the international banking clan. Uh, so, yeah, you have these people behind the scenes. So the problem again, a propaganda machine, you know, works in all different kinds of ways. Um, you know, you were talking about some different examples uh, throughout the Star Wars universe, and Rebels was a good example of that with their Empire Day. Empire wow. Day is one of the biggest uh, examples right. of propaganda. Now, we as viewers, you know, we look at Empire Day and we laugh at it, like, how can you know how can they possibly uh, celebrate Empire Day? But again, going back to the fact that uh, you know he promised safety and security. And for 20 years, he delivered it, you know, believe it or not, most people probably uh, enjoyed Empire Day. They were, they, you know, they had their local garrison, their local garrison kept out all the heathens. And, you know, you see this, you know, um, and there would be some, it would be nice to see some more stories after Return of the Jedi. But when you, you know, if you destroy the Empire, that's going to create this huge vacuum uh, where, you know, these criminal organizations would have come in. And it would have gotten pretty rough there in the in the early ages of the New Republic, but uh, you know during the Rebels time frame, uh, you know it would have been relatively safe. Uh, their methods were not good, but uh, you know they would have celebrated. This you know might you know blow some people's minds. Most of the people in the Empire would have gladly celebrated Empire Day, uh, and it would have been just those few people that actually knew better and knew what was going on. Uh, that would have seen it differently. Yeah, and uh, we see, um, I think we talked about this in a previous episode uh, with uh, one of our friends, one of our partner pods, but uh, yeah, Empire Day, obviously you see that in um, the uh, Rebels cartoon where they um, you know, celebrate uh, the first annual Empire Day. We uh, get a glimpse of it in Solo. Uh, you see it in uh, the, uh, that the, towards the beginning of the film where they're running away from the Empire and they, uh, they're trying to escape uh, in that uh, kind of like a, the airport area there. Um, you see the um, you hear the the Imperial March on the uh, on the big on the screen that they were passing by. So uh, those two days are kind of uh, you know they coincide there. So um, I mean, yeah. you you see those same messages in in the real world, right? I mean, you hear. Uh, uh, I just happened to see that clip that you're talking about where he's like, "Hey, uh, join the Imperial Navy. See you know see the see the galaxy." You hear those same messages in our world, you know. Uh, you know, I remember the the Navy commercial that was big when when I joined. I think it was a it was a Godsmack that they use. It had the dun 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 dun. You know, it you know that makes you want to join. You know, you 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 know the Navy had see the world was was, was their big thing. Uh, be all you can be from from the Army, right? Those are those are all forms of propaganda to try to get people to enlist. So the methods that the Empire used are are not out of the ordinary, and they would have worked.
Yeah, and you see on, on a lot of these posters what I talked about earlier as far as appealing to emotion instead of logic. You know how you know you know we we beat them we beat them once we're gonna beat them again. You know that sort of thing. Like I think that was a, a resistance poster. Um, that that's the kind of thing you have to do. Uh, do, you, do you happen to have the one with uh, Leia that we talked about with uh, where it has the spray paint from uh, the Bloodline novel? Yeah, while I'm looking for that one, um, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on on just propaganda in Star Wars. It's a, a very uh, interesting thing here. Go ahead. Uh, let me look for that one right now. It's important for people to remember when when you're watching a movie or when you're reading a, a history book, there's an old saying that uh, you know the history books, the, the Rebel Alliance, they are the victors. So when you see, when you watch the movies, you're seeing it from that lens. You're seeing it from the rebellion point of view, which is why everybody in the Empire looks evil. Uh, we, we talk about, you know, sometimes from a certain point of view is a cop out. But other times, as in this case, it is absolutely true. You have to put yourself in that situation. Um, you have a government that has provided safety and security probably are not even going to think about them as this evil empire. It's just what is. So you're not going to see it like the rebels did. You're seeing it, you know, that way in the movies because the rebels won. And so therefore you're seeing it through their eyes. If anybody's familiar with the, um, the show man in the high tower, mm. uh, that's an alternate universe, uh, where, uh, world war two turned out differently and the Germans and the Japanese won world war two. And you see what that world would have looked like had they won. So you can see that sort of perspective, how we perceive history and how we perceive the present is based on, you know, who's in charge. Uh, so just think about that. And, you know, it might give you a, a new appreciation for how hard the, the rebellion would have had to have worked uh, to get their message out and to win the hearts and minds of the people. Yeah, especially because of the might of the empire and its uh, political and propaganda machine uh, early on, even before, you know, uh, Palpatine dissolved the Senate. Yeah, and uh, I don't want to give uh, too much information about this poster that we have up. Uh, vote Leia for first senator um, for anybody that hasn't read Bloodline out there. I really don't want to spoil that because as we talked to, you know, uh, Claudia Gray about this, that's got one of the biggest uh scenes uh you know in, in the whole star wars universe that's that happens off screen uh, i don't want to spoil that for everybody but you can see how they used a uh, certain information to smear princess leia she was respected by all and uh somebody let some information get out and that totally you know, destroyed her political career and that's how she became the resistance leader instead of a uh, first senator as she was going to be. Yeah. That's uh, you know, we talked a little bit about that uh, with Claudia gray uh, on May 25th. Uh, if you guys uh, are in the chat, haven't uh, checked out that video, that interview, we had a lot of fun uh, speaking with her and uh, she was very gracious enough to come on our show live. So please check that out guys. Uh, she's uh, really, uh, really great understanding of, of Leia and the characters that she writes in uh, the book. So uh, please check that out. Lots of fun there. So, uh, yeah, the propaganda machine in Star Wars yep. works uh, very similar to the one in real life, uh, as we uh, know. 
Um, and um, I think as uh, you have mastered somewhat, my friend, uh, <laughs> with uh, everything that you do, but um, it's a very fascinating topic, especially as we relate it to Star Wars and uh, as we learn more and more about the propaganda machine on both sides. Yep. Well, as you said at the top of the show, we, you know, it's one thing to analyze a, you know, a certain show, a certain episode, but, you know, we like to take these deep dives. This is how we're talking about it uh, 40 plus years later. Um, and I do hope everybody enjoy the show as much as, you know, we did putting together. If you did enjoy the show, I do recommend becoming a patron of the show. Uh, and I wanted to uh, thank uh, all of our Scuttle Buddies and uh, Garrison members. Uh, we got Alex, Chad, Jay, Joey. Matt and Nicholas, uh, who support us through Patreon um, as patrons. And, you know, that helps us put this together and, and continue to make a quality product. And, you know, we're all about process improvement, as hopefully you've seen over the past year. And being a patron really helps uh, in that. We also uh, were introducing the uh, a new tier to Patreon. If you have a project out there that you would like uh, some help uh, you know, we, we talked about propaganda, we're talking about getting the word out. We'd like to help you get the word out. You know, a good segue here. Uh, we just introduced the executor level of Patreon. It's uh, $15 a month, and uh, it'll help us help you get your uh, project promoted. Uh, so if you're interested in that, um, or if you just want to support the show as a scuttle buddy or a member of the garrison, please check out uh, patreon.com uh, slash Scare of Scuttlebutt, and you can find uh, those different. Uh, we have three. We try to make it easy. We have three different tiers now. You can check that out and become a patron. Uh, also, uh, those on Twitter may have noticed uh, we're using Twitch now, uh, and we're doing some of our Friday night hangouts and our trivia on our Twitch. Um, but uh, I'm also streaming some more games on there now. Uh, we're streaming uh, Star Wars Battlefront, uh, both the 2015 version and uh, Battlefront 2 that came out, Apex Legends, uh, Rocket League and uh, Overwatch. If anybody's interested in those games, we are streaming those on Twitch. So I encourage you to check that out at twitch.tv forward slash Scarif podcast. Uh, and of course, we'll provide links to all this in the show notes. Uh, but please check our Twitch uh, and enjoy the streaming there. That is correct. Uh, we are uh, doing a lot of things. And then uh, again, don't forget, uh, you know, one of the things that our patreon patreons also help uh, our patreon patrons also help with is a lot of the activities that we did last year like uh scarif 2019 we were able to put that together because of our uh scuttle buddies and this year scarif 2020 um we are helping out dominic pace come to chicago and uh again at alley cat comics here in chicago in the andersonville neighborhood if you guys are around uh in july uh, please come by and uh, stop by and say hello. Uh, we're all going to be, uh, you know, uh, I'm assuming we're still going to be under the, uh, you know, um, the COVID watch. So we're going to do it safely. We're going to have some fun and uh, meet Dominic Pace. Uh, again, you know, if you're into helping us out, uh, becoming a supporter of the podcast, of uh, the podcast, and um you know patron is not your thing we also have our t public site uh our store that has a lot of really cool uh scarif designs uh t-shirts that uh i've been posting a couple you know we are red five and some of the new designs uh we've also been able to 
we we became an affiliate member of T Public, so we're able to kind of look at other people's designs and bring them into our store uh, and offer those uh, to you guys uh, as a thank you uh, to be able to uh, also support the podcast. So we've got a lot of really great designs, a lot of really unique designs that we've come up with, as well as some of the other artists that we admire on the T Public, and uh, just go check it out: tpublic.com/scarifpodcast. You actually got some Dominic Pace ones on there, some uh, some Gecko ones uh, that we um, we put on there just for his tour, and uh, proceeds for that will go towards the cause that he's working towards, which is uh, for small businesses. And uh, you know, God knows, small businesses need the help right now with uh, all the COVID stuff going on. Uh, so please check out those uh, Dominic Pace uh, and uh, Gecko designs that we have on there, and uh, help support his cause. Definitely. Yeah, there's two designs up there, uh, dark and light. Uh, so, uh, you know, please check them out. And if you are in one of Dominic Pace's touring cities, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping that you uh, are able to grab a T-shirt and um, uh, show up uh, in one of the touring cities and uh, say hello to Dominic Pace. He's a really great guy and uh, really wonderful ambassador of uh, Star Wars and The Mandalorian, obviously the show that he's in. Uh, as Gecko, the uh, bounty hunter, uh, really proud and uh, happy that we're able to help him on his uh, small business signing tour, uh, especially here in Chicago for ScarifCon 2020. And uh, last but not least, I just want to make sure that you guys know about our Scuttlebutt hotline. Uh, if you guys want to leave us a message or anything that you guys want to talk about, suggestions on the show on show topics, or just say hello, give us a call at 773-234-8659. That is our Scarif hotline again, 773-234-8659. Or send us an email at scarifscuttlebutt at gmail.com. Uh, we always love to get um messages from you guys it's been a blast last time uh you know you guys uh submitted a whole bunch of messages regarding our collecting episode that we did with uh josh and andy of the holochronicles uh, podcast and uh, we had a lot of fun putting that one together i hope you guys uh listen to that if you guys are collectors as you notice that i am uh, a bit of a collector uh behind me and uh, Brad, you've got your uh, man cave set and ready to go as well. So uh, it was a really fun episode. We talked to Josh and Andy about all the fun things. And uh, that one object that uh, we would grab if uh, there was ever, God forbid, a fire in our home. Uh, really, really interesting discussion. I, I don't think I could pick. I, I think I'm going, <laughs> I'm going down with the ship in that case. <laughs> Thank you guys, everyone in the chat, uh, for coming by. We uh, had to postpone it or kind of uh, shove the uh, or shuffle the timing a little bit. You can find the Scarif podcast wherever you find your quality podcasts, and uh, we'll be there too. Because uh, as you know, it's always sunny on Scarif. Isn't that right, Brad? And that is the scuttlebutt. That's no moon.
You may fire when ready. I've got a bad feeling about this. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. You must unlearn what you have learned. Felt a great disturbance in the force. I suggest a new strategy, Art. You underestimate the power of the dark side. 